0: What up? Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast on a Tuesday. This has been the most exciting, like thirty-six hours that a five-and-four team coming off of a fifty-one-to-fourteen loss has ever had. You can follow on Twitter at James Erpine at Locked On Bengals. This is the only daily Bengals podcast out there. I'm James Erpine. I cover the Bengals for ESPN fifteen thirty in Cincinnati. Subscribe, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, including the iHeartRadio app. Um, let's dive into it. Hugh Jackson is back with the Bengals today, according to Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Dave Lapham on that in a few minutes here. I talked to Dave Lapham on my radio show today, earlier today, excuse me, on ESPN 1530. This is when, and I tweeted this out yesterday, if you follow on Twitter, I said, imagine a world where Hugh Jackson came back after Terrell Austin got fired, and, and, and you, I, I hope you listened, <laughs> because I knew there was a, a pretty good possibility, and it happened, and uh, I think you knew too yesterday when Marvin Lewis had this exchange with the media. I couldn't be there for this press conference yesterday, but this is what happened the other day, uh, Monday, at Paul Brown Stadium. How do, you, how, do you, how do you close the defense and the team? i got a plan. just have to watch and see. Do you, uh, do you need somebody to help come in and help you with some of those extra responsibilities? just have to watch and see. Would that person be named Hugh Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> watch and see. <laughs> and that's when the speculation started, but... It seemed pretty obvious, right? Hugh Jackson's going to be back. I tweeted it on the 29th when he was fired by the Browns. You know who else tweeted it? Paul Daner Jr., Katherine Terrell, and literally probably, literally probably, how about that for a, a back-to-back? But almost every Cincinnati media member, oh, when's Hugh Jackson coming back to Cincinnati, it seemed like a foregone conclusion the moment it happened, and yesterday it did. Last night it did. Hugh Jackson back at Paul Brown Stadium, according to reports. Here's what's interesting. I just wonder if he's going to be as innovative in Cincinnati now, with his. this is his third stint here, as he was with the Cleveland Browns. I like being cutting edge. I try to be innovative and cutting edge on offense. We want to be innovative and cutting edge in every, on everything that we do in this building, you know, because eventually everybody's going to be doing what we're doing. And that's the fun part about this. That's from his introductory press conference back in 2016. So that's not fair. I'm being mean to Hugh Jackson. Honestly, I think he's a good coach. And coming from a a guy like me who, guess what I've been? Very critical of the Bengals over the past few weeks. Their lack of aggressiveness. Their lack of being proactive. They, they, They were the opposite of proactive. Very reactive. And even this, I think, is a week late. Why wouldn't you move on from Terrell Austin a week ago during the bye week? Why wouldn't you... Bring in Hugh Jackson on the bye. You have a huge game, huge game on Sunday against Baltimore. And you have all these moving parts. So you certainly wonder if that's going to be a distraction. Overall, though, I get the point. I understand it. Be aggressive. Marvin Lewis didn't like what he was seeing from the defense. He said, you know what? If we're going to go down, if we're going to lose, we're going to lose with me calling the shots. I would do that. You would do that in any job. If you're the head man, if you're the manager, if you're the coach, if you're the owner, and you're the guy making the decisions, if you own a company and you're like, you know what? I need to be on the sales floor more. If we're going to go down, we're going to go down with me trying to sell my tail off. If that's the case, then that's the case. It it makes a lot of sense to me, and and I, I certainly understand that aspect. I like the Bengals' aggressiveness. You just wonder what kind of role Hugh Jackson's going to have. Ian Rappaport's report basically said, yeah, no title yet. I would say assistant head coach, associate head coach. Seriously. And if I'm Hugh Jackson, I, and I tweeted this out this morning, there's a video of him dancing. I'm dancing. Because there's one owner in the NFL that would hire a guy like Hugh Jackson to be head coach, an 11-44-1 coach, and it's Mike Brown. Mike Brown – would ignore that if he thought Hugh Jackson was the best man for the job. I'm not saying he'd ignore it just to be lazy, but if you thought Hugh Jackson could be the coach in waiting or be the coach, in, and you certainly wonder that, and you'll hear uh, what Dave Lapham thinks about that coming up in a few minutes here on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. It's just it's very interesting, isn't it? It is very interesting that we got here, that we're here. I mean, Terrell Austin out, Hugh Jackson in, Hugh Jackson. Now associate head coach with Marvin Lewis, defensive coordinator. Just, it's, it's weird. It's unique. And it will be really interesting to see how it all plays out. He can help with the, the Cleveland Browns game plan. Look, Hugh Jackson tied Pittsburgh this year. That's better than the Bengals. He beat Baltimore. You're telling me he can't help at some, in some capacity there? He caused the Browns to have all kinds of losses. They were 336 and 1 when he was there. You're telling me he can't help you beat them twice? Hugh Jackson might be able to help. And I just, I'm interested in, in what capacity, how he helps. If the succession plan is back on, it feels like it, doesn't it? And if that's the case, how do you feel about it? I want you to drop me a line at uh, on the Locked On Bengals hotline, 513-666-0328. You can also tweet me at James jameserpeen at Locked On Bengals or email me James Urpine at ESPN1530.com. Up next, Dave Lappup. Going to join the podcast, my conversation with him, really good stuff from Lapp. You'll hear that next here on the Locked On Bengals podcast.
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: I'm James Erpin and this is the Locked On Bengals Podcast. Thanks for tuning in on a Tuesday. I caught up with Bengals color analyst Dave Lapham earlier today on ESPN 1530. I like the, the fact that they were willing to approach this in an aggressive way. They didn't like what was happening on defense, so guess what? Now Marvin Lewis is taking over play calling, and, and Hugh Jackson's coming in as well. I don't know if it's going to work, but I do like the aggressive mindset.
2: Yeah, I, I think, uh, I think that, that it had to be done. Um, I think Marvin, in, in his press conference, addressed the fact that what he saw on the sideline you know, from players' reaction coming off the football field, I don't know what the interaction was like between, you know, players and coaches. Uh, he he just didn't like it though. Uh, obviously there was something missing. It just didn't work. The, the connection wasn't there. It was disjointed, uh, and dysfunctional. And then, you know, the, the results proved that the, the proof was in the pudding. You know, you give up forty and eighty yards to Pittsburgh and then you give up five hundred yards three straight games after that. I could have very easily given up. 500 yards five times this year. They've given up over 400 yards or more five times. So, you know that's that's just not going to cut it. And instead of just you know riding the wave um, to to the shore and then probably crashing a few times on the way in, they decided to get off the board and get on a new one. And um, you know I, this is a very kind of a unique situation. You know I I think that um, the, the Bengals are pioneering something here. You know bringing somebody in to be uh, do some of the head coaching game management duties, and some of the administrative duties that the head coach has to do during the course of the football game. Because Marvin is going to be, you know, tied up with the, uh, you know, with his defensive football team. He's going to be huddling up with them, making adjustments as they come off the sideline. He won't be able to stand on the sideline and look out at the field of play, and say, should we challenge that? You know, what about that that spot for you know third down? Is it really third, fourth down and one, or is it really a first down? All those kind of things that have to go on. You needed somebody to uh, alleviate those responsibilities, and Hugh Jackson, having been fresh off head coaching situation, and uh, and maybe his best friend. Uh, they're like brothers, you yeah. know. And I think whenever you uh, put together a coaching staff, I remember talking to Bob Stoops one time at Oklahoma when he was putting his uh, coaching staff together, and he picked his, his brother Mike to be his defensive coordinator. And I said, boy, that a little nepotism there, and he just started laughing. He said, you know what? Every head coach will tell you what he wants out of his staff is loyalty and trust. He said, who can I trust, and who will be more loyal to me than my brother? And I'm like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And and uh, Hugh Jackson and Marvin Lewis have been through a lot of things together, and they're closer than a lot of brothers I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think the trust and loyalty is going to be there big time.
0: Yeah, Dave Lapham is with us here on ESPN 1530. I, I think it's... It's interesting for a variety of reasons. There's multiple layers to this. I think naturally we're going to go, and fans are going to go to a couple of years ago when there was that reported and confirmed succession plan that was at least proposed to Hugh Jackson. And now I think if there's ever, if there was ever an owner that would look at Hugh Jackson's record, he was three thirty six and one in Cleveland. He was eleven forty four and one as a head coach. Would look at that and say, you know what? You, you didn't get a fair shake in Cleveland. You, they didn't give you the talent necessary. We think you can be a good head coach. I don't think there's any other owner in the, the league that would do that besides Mike Brown. And, and I, I just wonder if the succession plan, maybe not yet, but that this could lead to that plan being put in place down the line. Marvin Lewis only has a two-year contract. Do you think there's a possibility that maybe Hugh Jackson could be the, the coach in waiting, so to speak?
2: Yeah, I mean, any, anything's possible. You know, there's no question about that. I, I know Mike Brown holds Hugh Jackson in high regard because his um, um, what he did in Cincinnati as an assistant coach and as a coordinator it was exemplary. I mean, every when he coached the receivers, uh, Chad Johnson and T.J. Hirschmanzada both had thousand-yard seasons. Got the best production out of, out of that tandem. That any coach ever did when he coached the running backs he elevated their level of play when he was an offensive coordinator it elevated Andy Dalton to MVP level of play so every position group that he touched played their best football I mean he, he has a hugely successful track record here with the Cincinnati Bengals and I think Mike Brown just looks at that because you know that's that's what uh, Hugh Jackson was about when he was part of Mike Brown's organization he doesn't you know know all that goes on up in Cleveland he probably has an idea and it's very dysfunctional, obviously. And, and uh, you know, I, it, when I was watching Hard Knocks, I think we talked about this before, I'm thinking Hugh's dead man walking. Yeah. I mean, he, he had a couple of Benedict Arnolds as his coordinators that were ready to throw throw the knife in his back and take his job at the first opportunity. One got fired, the other one got it. And he got fired as well. So, um, you know, I, I think that, that there is one owner that would look at Hugh Jackson through a different set of glasses than others, because of having hands-on experience with him multiple times. I mean, he's come and gone here, you know, often, and he's always performed well. So, I think, you know, he's going to have a very defined role. I guess the, the one the one person that you you have to think we're going to make sure that that he's not looking over his shoulders, Bill Lazor. Mm-hmm. Because Bill Lazor, you know, has installed his offense. He was very successful here as an offensive coordinator. You don't want Bill Lazor looking over his shoulder saying, you know, what's he going to be about with respect to what I'm trying to get done here? So, you know, I, I think everything has to be well defined. And I think all that's going to be observed and watched by, the, by um, Mike Brown and, and the rest of ownership. I, I think, um, you know, it's, it's what is the definition of his responsibility and how does he fulfill that definition of responsibility? I think all of that's going to have a hand in whatever happens in the future.
0: Marvin Lewis yesterday during his press conference kind of said he made the decision, the, the Terrell Austin decision. Do you think it was was his call? Obviously, it, it felt like he was the reason Terrell Austin was here as defensive coordinator. Do you think he's the one who said, you know, this isn't working, Mike, I, I, I get it, we need to win now, we're in win now mode, let me take over the defense? Do you think Marvin feels any pressure at this
2: point? Oh yeah, I think he. I think he definitely, you know, feels pressure because I, I think he the start that they get off to, you know, he doesn't he doesn't want it to just melt away into a into a you know hugely missed opportunity, and uh, you know, like he said at the press conference yesterday, you know, he feels pressure about his job, you know, every day. And honestly, any successful person um, is basically their own uh, worst critic. I mean, there's, if you don't if you don't self evaluate. You're not going to rise to a to a level of uh, of achievement like a head coach in the National Football League. I mean, you have to be real with yourself. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to you have to say, Am I getting it done, or am I not? And and uh, and then are others that I've hired are they getting it done, or, not, or are they not? So I mean, Coach Austin was was handpicked by Marvin Lewis. I mean, that was that was his his scenario. I those guys go all the way back to when Marvin Lewis was an assistant. At University of Pittsburgh, when he was wow. in the early stages of his coaching career, you know, Coach Austin was uh, was, a, was a, a GA, a coaching intern, basically, and he was his mentor was Marvin Lewis, so he's known him for years. I mean, their families are close. It had to be a gut wrenching decision for Marvin Lewis to pull the trigger, you know, that he, that he had to pull, and um, it's it, it's very very difficult in, in this in this profession for sure to, to let to let people like that go. I mean. Um, he certainly didn't expect it to unfold the way it unfolded. I think that the most shocked person probably in the entire league and definitely in the entire organization, you know, it is Marvin Lewis that it didn't pan out any better than it did.
0: Dave Lapham is with us, and, and Terrell Austin, obviously they move on from him. Can Marvin Lewis, and people look back, and obviously Marvin Lewis was the defensive coordinator for the 2000 Ravens. That was 18 years ago. Can, can he dial it up again and be that guy? Is it fixable, given the, the roster flaws and injuries that this defense has had?
2: Well, that's the thing. In that 2000 uh, season, when they still hold the record for fewest points allowed in a 16-game season. He had a bunch of pro bowlers and future <laughs> Hall of Famers. I mean, he had unbelievable talent. And uh, great talent always makes uh, you a brilliant coach. There's no question about it. And I actually I did a game uh, or two when when he was defensive. I remember doing the Baltimore Ravens New Orleans Saints game um, when when Marvin was defensive coordinator in that stretch with the, with the Baltimore Ravens and you know the, the players that they had uh, did that game on NBC and the players that they had and and remember interviewing uh, those some of those players and and Marvin himself you know in production meetings and everything and. Uh, they, they had it going, I mean they had it rolling, and that that team was uh, totally totally confident in their coach. The coach was confident in the players you know there was a, there was mutual respect there um you know it was it was it was pretty dynamic, so I, I, football's different. the game has evolved since then since the two thousand season, but in football is football's still football, and I think some of the things that that marvin the thing that the crux of the problem in his estimation is there was too much gray area. Guys weren't exactly sure what they were supposed to do and how they were supposed to do it, and they were playing passively as a result of it. And you know, if you're if you are unsure of your responsibility, your confidence is nil. And when you can't play, when you don't play confidently, you can't play fast. You know, and the big mantra during the bye week was, "Let's simplify so we can play fast." The first offense we play is going to be playing at warp speed. We got to play fast. Didn't happen. Because there was a lot of confusion when they did their motions and, and the speed of the motions and everything else. you know, Instead of trusting their eyes, their eyes get crossed. They were cross-eyed. So you know, you can't play that way. You can't play if you don't know exactly. And, and, and 100% in your mind, i got to get there and i got to get there now instead of like, Ooh, should I go there or should I go there? You can't have that. And I think that's what the biggest thing with him is he's going to make sure everybody knows exactly. He's going to drill it into their heads exactly what you're supposed to do, where you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to get there, when you're supposed to get there, why you're supposed to get there. There's not going to be any questions. And if you have a question, don't be afraid to ask. Don't go out there with uncertainty in your mind and and then make mistakes. Ask. Before, not after the fact. Be proactive, not reactive. I think all those things are going to be you know, hammered. Detail after detail is going to be hammered. The preparation is going to be different. Like you said in the press conference, you know, they better watch out what they ask for, what they wish for. And, uh, and the players that I talked to said, yeah, he, he put his foot down in that, in that meeting, and they're going to go to work. And he's going to grind them. He's going to grind them pretty good. Are you surprised they made
0: this move now and not during the bye week?
2: I asked Marvin that, you know, at the press conference, and uh, you know, I, I think he probably, in his mind, wanted to see, okay, during the buy, can can Coach Austin, you know, make it? Can he make some adjustments? Can he make it work? Can he make it happen? Because honestly, when I when I saw them at training camp and saw them running around after every incompletion, picking it up like it was a fumble, you know, and mm-hmm. and running to the football and doing all those things, I thought, man, they're playing fast. These guys are into it. They're buying what he's selling watching what they were doing in the preseason or training camp in the preseason and then watching them over the last month, it was stunning, stunning. The free fall that took place there. I it just, I've never seen anything like it. And, and it, at that point, I think Marvin, when he saw the players on the sideline and when he heard things that, that he heard, like after the Pittsburgh game, Vontaze Burfitt in the tunnel, you know, on camera, knowing it was on camera saying, why did we run cover zero? Why did we have nobody back there in the middle of the football? Field? We never practiced that in a situation like this. So he, he threw his coordinator under the bus, mm-hmm. Carlos Dunlap saying, you know, this is the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results, basically throwing the coordinator under the bus. I mean, that, at that point, they did not have confidence in the guy making the calls. And, you know, as a head coach and a former coordinator himself, he knows that you can't have that. You just can't have it. You don't have to like your coach, uh, but you have to respect him mm-hmm. and you have to trust the fact that he's going to put you in in good spots to win, uh, you know, wouldn't snap after snap. You know, it, ha- having a beer with the coach is one thing, but you don't want to have a beer with the coach because you like him, and then you can't trust what he's going to call. I'd rather have a <laughs> coach that I, you know, don't want to be around, but, man, I know when I'm on the field, he's going to make a great call and put me in a spot to win the win that snap, and uh, that wasn't taking place.
0: Dave Lapham is with us here on ESPN 1530. I'm James Rapine. Hugh Jackson, a lot is made, and obviously he returns – to the Bengals today, according to reports. A lot's been made of, oh, well, Hugh Jackson can help with game plans against the Cleveland Browns. He can help against the Ravens, and obviously you have the Steelers on the schedule. And I look at this Bengals' schedule, they have winnable games. This Sunday at Baltimore, winnable game, two games against Cleveland. You still have Denver and Oakland at home. As bad as it feels right now at 5-4, and four, they're still very much in it, especially if they can get a win on on Sunday. But let's, let's focus on, on Cleveland. They, they play the Browns twice. How much can Hugh Jackson, having him on staff, how much can that help in those matchups?
2: Well, like you said, um, first of all, of the seven remaining games, four division games, two against Cleveland, they have Baltimore this week, and they finished the season at Cleveland, at Pittsburgh. Brutal finish to the season. Two division games on the road. Can't be any more difficult. So you've got a guy that has beaten the Baltimore Ravens and has tied the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's, he's, got, he's got intel into what Cleveland did in preparation, what Cleveland diagnosed as weaknesses and holes in their respective defenses. So not just – and honestly, Hugh Jackson has coached in every franchise except Cleveland. He's coached with the Baltimore Ravens, the Cleveland Browns, the Cincinnati Bengals multiple times. He knows the division as well as anybody. He's got firsthand knowledge, having been on the coaching staff coaching some of the players on those respective teams. So I think it's overrated that you can get a lot of stuff off tape. You know, here's what they're doing. Here's how they're attacking. Here's the formations. Here's, you know, what they're trying to do to, to break you down. But what he can give you is he knows Baker Mayfield intimately. He knows Greg Williams intimately. He was in meetings with these guys. He knows what makes them kick. He knows what their, what their strengths are and their weaknesses are in terms of you know, overall mindset or what, any, any little thing like that can be helpful. What the tendency is, if you do this, he's going to have an issue with it because he likes to do this. And that does not, does not necessarily show up on, on watching game tape. It doesn't show up on game tape what Greg Williams might be thinking in a certain situation in a football game that he's been on the sideline with and he knows exactly what he's thinking. So those, those are the kind of things that can be helpful. He was on the staff with John Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. Hugh Jackson coached, he coached Joe Flacco. He was the quarterback coach. He coached Joe Flacco. He knows Joe Flacco inside out. I mean, those are the kind of things I think that to give you value in four-year matchups in the last seven games. He knows things about the players that you just, you just can't garner. You just can't get watching tape of formations, plays, that kind of stuff.
0: Can all of these moving parts, obviously you have a new coordinator. You You have Hugh Jackson in the building now. Can that... It obviously will get the players' attention, but can it be a distraction with such a, a big game coming up at Baltimore this Sunday? Uh,
2: I don't I don't know if it, I mean obviously w- whenever you make a coaching change, like you know a head coaching change, there's always an initial uh, a buzz, a positive reaction to it. You know the Browns played well last week with Greg Williams, um, you know in his early stages as a head coach with the Cleveland Browns. I-, I think I think that uh, that the, the defensive players. Like Marvin said, they were looking for hope. They were looking for help. That's what he said when I saw them coming to the sideline. And he said to me, he said, look, you played. You know what I'm talking about. They were looking at me for help. And I know exactly what he's talking about. So I think the defensive player are going to respond. I really do. You know, no, no matter what Marvin calls, I think they're going to respond to it because it's different. And it wasn't working what was happening before. So you know, is there is there a guarantee that it's gonna that it's gonna have you know just unbelievable results? No, it may take a while. Maybe a work in progress. It may not work at all. It may not be any better. But you know, I thought they hit rock bottom in Kansas City. Well, it wasn't rock bottom. It Was <laughs> close. But rock bottom was coming. And I hope it's rock bottom. I hope nobody hangs seventy on them. But the offenses that are left, they don't they don't attack you like New Orleans, like Kansas City like Tampa Bay does with their passing attack, you know, like Atlanta does. And I mean, these, these, these teams are it's like track meets instead of batons, it's football and the t- the offenses that are left with the, the exception of the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, on the the Sandy and the LA charges with rivers, at quarterback and his weapons. Those are the two, you know, that you're looking at and say, wow, you know, those offenses, they're a snootful, but the others, they, they don't. It's not warp speed. It's not all this motion and movement with guys that run, you know, sub four three forty. You know, it's it's a it's a different kind of animal. So, um, mm-hmm. I I think I think it's going to look like you know being exposed to that warp speed stuff, and then now you change your coordinator and you're doing things differently, and they don't know exactly what Marvin Lewis is going to do. They probably have an idea, but you know they have the advantage of oh the newness mm-hmm. of it. What will he really do? How different will they be? You know, you're saying. Uh, oh, who are we going to prepare for? Joe Flacco, Lamar Jackson. Well, they're saying with well, a quarterback with very little experience, okay, Lamar, we're not sure exactly what the Bengals are going to do defensively with Martin Lewis calling it, but here's what we think. So, I mean, it, you know, it's a it's a double edged sword. It, but the Bengals are setting themselves up for a situation, too. When you look at the other side of it, they signed Hugh Jackson, four mm-hmm. division games, and if they fall flat on their faces, it's like, huh, that's laughing stock. You know, hey, I mean, they, they bring all this, all this possibility, all this uh, upside, and they fell flat on their faces collectively. But you know what? Like I, said, I agree with you when you started the, the, uh, this little interview off. They did something. You know, they weren't content to just, like, sit and, and look at just, you know, it's not NFL football what was happening. I don't think they had any choice but to do it, but mm-hmm. they did it, and they made a change. Let's see what happens.
0: Yeah, and and last question for you, and I appreciate the time, as always. I I look at this offense, and it's an offensive league, and I know the defense has a ton of issues, and and you look at the numbers, and they're about as awful as you could imagine through nine weeks. It's an offensive league. This team has to score points. They're going to have to score this Sunday in Baltimore. They're going to have to score next week against Cleveland. If they hope to win, they're going to have to put up 20-plus points probably. And I'm not sure – how consistent they can do that with AJ Green. Do you think that that obviously it's a huge loss. Do you think Andy and the young wide receivers and obviously Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard. Do you think it's possible that they can stay afloat, that they can keep them themselves above water over the next few weeks assuming Green's out for the next 3-4 weeks which I think is probably uh the, the most likely scenario.
2: Yeah, I think I think AJ is going to be out, you know, at least 3 games counting the bye week, you know, a month with that with that injured toe. So it's gonna be three football games. So now he misses these two division games. And look what he did against Baltimore in the first game. He scored three touchdowns in less than 17 minutes. You know, the football game was early in the in the second quarter he had his third touchdown. So, you know, John Harbaugh has been on record saying, Are we ever going to cover AJ Green? AJ Green has been a thorn in Baltimore side in Cincinnati, on the road in Baltimore. That is a huge, huge deal not having him against a division rival, you know, the next couple of weeks. There's no question about it. Um, You know, and and coverages are going to be tilted differently. They already were, you know, with Tyler Boyd. Other guys are going to have to step up. John Ross is going to have to up his game. He can't play inconsistently as he is. And that's the the key. The entire offense has to exhibit consistency. On that first drive, they go down the field in, in eight plays. They run it five times, throw it three, Andy Dalton three for three, they score a touchdown. I mean, it, it's, they don't even get to third down. I mean, it's first and second down the entire drive. And after that, it's, it's, it's Zilto. I mean, it's, it's nothing. And, you know, th- three and outs. And when, you're, when your defense is struggling, the worst thing you can do offensively is go three and out and take less than a minute off the clock. And, and it, so, if you're, if you're having issues on third down, go all for 6 on third down, and your defense is dead last in the league getting off the field on third down, you're going to have a brutal game. I don't care who the opponent is. They're 31st in the NFL. Their, their time of possession is under 27 minutes a game. I mean, they have to, they have to uh, be good on first and second down, convert on third down, move the chains. It's all about first downs. It's all about you know, keeping the defense off the football field and then scoring points. When they get in the red zone, they're efficient. They're number two in the NFL in touchdown percentage. But they're not getting there often enough. They're not making enough plays between the twenties, and not being consistent enough offensively, and that's what they have to do. Everybody has to look themselves in the mirror, just like the defensive players are, and play your tail off every single snap. Don't take any plays off. You just can't afford to do it. You have to do exactly what you're supposed to do from from uh, snap to whistle, and you you, you can't you can't uh, you know half-ass it. You just can't do it.
0: Lap, I appreciate the time as always. I know I kept you a while. There's just uh, so much to discuss. I'm sure I'll uh, talk to you soon. Thanks for coming on.
2: My pleasure, James. You're the man.
0: Good stuff there from Dave Lapham. It's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out, huh? Interesting, interesting, interesting. I got a mixture of tweets from, yeah, he's going to help the offense. I'm excited. Low risk move to, oh, same old Bengals. And I get both I understand both sides of this. why would you be excited about a coach who's 11 44 and one as a head coach 336 and one in Cleveland at the same time maybe you should be excited because last time Hugh Jackson was here he was beneficial and he helped the offense and he helped this team win and he helped when he was here earlier in his career he helped the wide receivers he helped the running backs I mean he helped every position. So maybe you'll have that success again. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I wonder how Bill Laser feels today. I'm James Rapine. Thank you so much for tuning in today. A quick reminder to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and the iHeartRadio app. I think I'm going to try to do a podcast tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to be able to. Schedule's really weird tomorrow. If that's the case, we're still going to do... One Thursday, and we will do one Friday as well. We'll get a preview of Baltimore. Start looking ahead to what is a huge, critical matchup in the AFC North as we roll on. I'm James Erpine. Back at it at the latest Thursday, hopefully tomorrow. Until then, thank you so much for listening to the Lockdown Bengals Podcast.